everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Well, uh, that's one box checked. Uh, we, we desperately needed this team to keep on track for a bowl game and to uh, uh, hashtag not lose to Biff. And uh, they didn't. We didn't have that hashtag going before the game. We <laughs> dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like Charlotte did. Oh no! Yeah. Like, I guess Charlotte didn't. Rice Rice put it on the the deck a couple times. Minus two overall, I think, in, in turnover differential, and you still win by twenty one points. Yeah, and that that one turnover that you did get to make it minus two instead of minus three was really after the game was already decided. So. Um, you'd like to see a cleaner game, but on the other hand, on the other hand, if you um, you turn over three times to basically none for the other team and still win decisively, uh, that feels decisively on the road at that. Uh, that feels pretty good. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about the fact that Rice is playing with the backup quarterback, who has gotten, I guess, now what two weeks worth of reps with the ones we'll call it. Yeah, and he just he was not good again today or Saturday, whatever day it is. All my days are running together. And even (laughs) Bloomberg said it after the game. He said that was not AJ's best day. We've seen better from AJ, and we know he can do better. And two of the his two interceptions that he threw were uh, ill advisable. (laughs) It wasn't like oh that got tipped and you got bad luck. It was like no no don't throw it don't throw it oh you you threw it. And I will say that I think JT has gotten pretty favorable on some of his decisions, but I think he, I think the difference we've seen so far is he writes checks that his body can cash more often than not. I don't think AJ has the arm that can make some of those crazy throws. So even when JT makes a mistake, he rifles it at a hundred miles an hour and it hits the guy in the, in the head and he can't catch it because it's moving so fast. I don't know yeah. if that's entirely fair on AJ, but yeah, just his accuracy and where he's supposed to go with the football, uh, we we did not see it. And and Rice, I wanted to ask you about this. What did you think about the fact that we might have been texting during the game about why is Rice not running the ball? Did you have that deja vu moment in your head like I did? Uh, like eventually the numbers worked out, I guess I would say. But it definitely felt like at times, why are people not named Dean Connors carrying the football? Because, no offense to Ari Broussard, who has done a lot for this team and had a a couple of nice runs later in the game. But, like, Dean had 19 carries for 184 yards. And it's not like he got visibly worn down or or I don't know it, it it felt like they were they were keeping him on a sort of deliberate pitch count and every time he touched the ball like he just made good things happen like it's clear that he is the best back on this team and I don't really know uh, like I guess there could be an underlying health thing behind the scenes that they just don't feel comfortable letting him take that many hits. But like, 
I don't see at this point why he's not like this was his career high in carries, right? With 19. Like, yeah. why should he not get 20 carries a game? And I'm not like I'm not asking you for the, for us to treat this guy like uh, like 2015 McCaffrey. Yeah, like Chris McCaffrey, McCaffrey or like 2015 Derrick Henry or like you don't need to give him 45 carries or even 30. But like he should be getting 20 touches a game. Like there's no reason for anything to be otherwise. Like he should be the, this should not be a committee approach. He should be the lead back. And then occasionally you get a play or a series off. Like it's like, like make him the bell cow at this point. Yeah. And I mean, the crazy thing was, I think that we, and we talked about this, you know, when we talked about like recapping spring ball and at the end of last season, we see these spurts, right? Where we can see the athletic ability, but I think what's really clicked over the past couple weeks because remember he had what did he go for 120 yards on nine carries against Tulsa a couple weeks ago with three touchdowns in that game I just I I think we've really started to see the vision piece yeah. which is it, there was it, it, and it's one of those things when you're looking for it you, you see it right it was just like I believe that Dean Connors has the vision and then I see the vision so maybe I'm you know double counting and giving him credit for some some of these things but just get to the point where I think this offensive line and we haven't really talked about the offensive line in a couple weeks, but like kudos to them. I like the holes and the gaps were there. And when you have a guy that's not getting met in the backfield and he has the vision to make the cut and the acceleration to go, I mean, I'm just, I'm looking through the carry log right here for 23 to nine 30, six to 22 four 34 five four one 20 seven seven two one one and there was a, a what a 25 yard carry that was picked up because of a holding penalty late in the game i guess that would have put him over 200 right if they yep. would have counted that but it was just one of those things where you never he was not getting cheated it wasn't like you had an 80 yard touchdown run congratulations and you were fine like no like every time this guy touched the ball he averaged 9.7 to carry before his last three kill the clock runs. And at the end of the, the fourth, he was averaging like 10.4, 10.5 yards a carry, something like that. Yeah. It best rice rushing performance since Juma Taviano, his freshman year, that would have been 2018 when he went for 220. Yeah, I guess Old Dominion. But if you remember that game, he had two long touchdown runs. Yeah, oh yeah, I to like 80, had, 80 plus yarders, I think. Yeah, like a 65 yarder and an 80 yarder or something like that. So he got, and you can't, that's not how you did the math. You can't just take the runs out and count it. But I'm just saying, uh, Dean didn't just get blow and go. He was consistently just a force. And the, and no, the part 19 that for it, 184 with a long of 34. So, yeah, that's pretty insane. Yeah, and like honestly, if you're telling me you can run the ball, if you can get six, how many? What percentage of his carries did he get at least six yards? Like that's more than enough a positive play. It's just, it's crazy. I'm looking at, I think over half. Just doing a quick look at it. And if you're telling me like if you get six yards, you can just run the ball down the field and never get to third down. <laughs> that's like it's yeah. it's crazy because this is the dream offense, right? That Mike Bloomgren brought to Rice. You want to be able to do this, and you can do this. 
now. And I think part of that is, well, I will say Charlotte had some dudes in the front seven. Like I, I think that the front, I think their front was a bit more talented than I expected it to be. The five-star guy from, I guess, everywhere, Alabama, Michigan, and uh, some directional Tennessee. Chatt- yeah, front. he was briefly with, yeah, briefly with either Tennessee Martin or Chattanooga. I can't remember which, um, and also had a cup of coffee at Houston, but never actually played. Um, oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he looks like that. Uh, like you, you heard his name a lot. And you could tell he also. Um, uh, his was one of those names that the uh, broadcast team on ESPN Plus had practiced saying uh, because <laughs> yeah. they were taking every possible opportunity to see his entire to say his entire name. Uh, every time he there were plays where he wasn't like directly involved and they're still calling him out. And I'm like, they ran the other way, man. Like, (laughs) okay, whatever. But yeah, like I, I, Charlotte is not a good football team. Like they're a bad football team. I'm not going to go hype it up too much, but man. I mean, Hey, they were a bad football team last year and they came into Rice stadium and, and blew the owls doors off. So uh, See, and I was talking about somebody before the game with this, and they were asking me if I was afraid, and I said no, because last year they had a good quarterback and three great wide receivers. I think yeah. one of them got was he second to last pick in the NFL draft, Grant Dubose, which yeah. still like you know there's, there's guys that you're like you're sure they're going to be a thing, and then they just become a zero in the NFL, and it still confuses you. Like the fact that Grant Dubose is not like. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's in a practice squad somewhere, but yeah. yeah. Like last year, I was like, there's a formula where just if you don't show up, you're going to get gutted because they have pieces. This year, I'm like, if you don't show up, they don't have any pieces. <laughs> yeah, no. Sorry. And hey, it's nice to like, you know, it's it's nice to play a team that you should beat quite handily, even on the road, even if you don't play your best. And they did that. Like, this was not a pretty game at a lot of instances. Like, Rice made a lot of errors that kept the score from being as lopsided as it could have been. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know. You you win by three scores. You hold the opponent to under three yards a play and under 160 total yards. Like, we haven't really gotten into the defense yet. But it's... um, Let's talk about that. It's nice to treat a bad, really bad team like a really bad team. Yeah, and my goodness, the last time Rice shut out a conference opponent at halftime, that was the 2020 Marshall game, the one that they won mm-hmm. 20 to nothing. And I was like, okay, when I saw that one come around. And then the only drive that Charlotte actually, what yardage did, they, where did they start? At the 15. At, yeah, they the, started yeah. at the 15 after a long interception return on a offensive mistake by the quarterback, and they get it back to the 15, and that's that ball still and, comes and, down to interference called in the end zone. That Rice yeah. had an interception that got called back in that drive, actually. Well, and still almost got the stop, except for they didn't, no one had the edge on a third and 12 and allowed allowed a guy named Trexler Ivy. Trexler. To- how is he not playing in Texas? Is he at least from Texas? I did do my homework on that. I know, personally, that reads more like he should be playing uh, like varsity lacrosse at Johns Hopkins or something like that. To ooh, me, but. ooh, I think you're Trex. Yeah, that is he is from North Carolina. So that checks out. Yeah. Secret lacrosse player. 
yeah, like it's 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 shocking that this this guy doesn't play a uh, play a sport like that at like Duke or something just based on the name alone, you know? Maybe not. I mean, I'm looking his his bio on the Charlotte page. Uh, his father played baseball at Campbell, and uh, cousins swam at Duquesne. So yeah, like Trexler Ivy. Yeah, the it's all there. That's player. Right. Yeah, it's in there, but uh, not not a great football. I don't know. I. I have not seen that. Well, I will say this. The head coach afterwards said, we're going to go get some new guys at quarterbacks because our quarterbacks aren't very good. Yeah, out of the portal. That's what Biff Pogge said about his football team after the game, which I saw that. I was like, man, I know Biff says a lot of things, but I just cannot picture Mike Wimbren saying that. Or any head coach of any competent football team. I'm just hashtag beat Biff. And, you know, I will say, like, it's late in the season and you never want to put stock in too much transitive win, all that stuff. Um, Charlotte has lost eight games this year, though, and the margin of victory, margin of, of defeat in those games, I guess, was uh, 18 points to Maryland, 16 to Georgia State, 15 to Florida, 18 to SMU, 14 to Navy, three-point win over East Carolina, uh, 22-point loss to FAU, Seven point over Tulsa, six point loss to Memphis. That was their second biggest margin of defeat all season. Like they they stayed closer than that with two the two power five teams they played this year. So I, I think you feel pretty drubbing. Yeah. Like you don't again, you could say, like, all right, they beat a really bad team, but they beat a really bad team about as badly as that team has been beaten all year. So you know, it's not just who you play; it's how you play. And I think if you want to, if you want, if you want to feel good for next week, then Rice didn't play its best and still soundly beat a team as bad as they've been beaten all year, like in their home stadium. Like that's that that feels pretty good. And going through, I was kind of thinking through that this weekend as we kind of read out those schedules. It is coming like after watching a dismantling like that, where you just beat this team so bad because we think Rice is so much better than Charlotte. And if Rice had lost that game, they would have been tied in the AAC standings, both with three conference wins. Yeah. Which, like, so maybe the margin is not that close. But I'm just, you look at the schedules that some of these teams have played, man, and I'm sitting here thinking, because we haven't even touched too much, we don't need to, about the AAC tiebreaker situation and how you have <laughs> there is a if Navy beats SMU this weekend, the computers will decide who plays in the conference championship game. Which I mean, that's what you get these big conferences, you take out the divisions like that's going to happen. Like it's weird, man. But can I just like just hypothetical with me right now? I, I want to read you the UTSA schedule real quick. And right now, because we're sitting and we haven't talked yet, but we will about bowl eligibility and Rice getting to six wins. Okay, uh, Houston, Texas State, and Army. Okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Then you go Tennessee, Temple, UAB, FAU, East Carolina, North Texas, Rice, South Florida, Tulane. Of the top teams in the conference, they play Tulane and. Uh, that that's it actually <laughs> and then so basically 
pretend they played the entire entire bottom of the conference like (laughs) swap out swap out two lane and i'm this is not a utsa is bad but did you watch how they smushed or how south florida could not hang with them at all and rice at least gave them a game for a half but if you swap the two lane game with temple and you swap the smu game with North Texas or UAB. I'm just saying there's it's yeah. With these big conferences, right? We're looking at a rice team. Even if you, you put the Yukon loss in because you got to have the eyesore somewhere that is six and five going into final weekend. And the, the yeah. quality of the team we're looking at is no different. They just, did you play Tulane and SMU or temple and North Texas? So, yeah. I don't know. I was just kind of looking that this weekend and watching the because the UTSA game was on a it was a Friday night game. So I was watching them just smoke South Florida, which Rice lost to. But in the game that they were neck and neck with until the starting quarterback got hurt. So, you know. Just saying. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then it's especially relevant, given that, like, if you look at Rice's conference, like the way the conference market has gone, uh, they've played three of the bottom four teams in the conference and beat those teams. And they've played uh, three teams that are... Uh, the top three. Yeah, the top three that are all 7-0 in conference play. And then they Still played one team, one team that's in the middle of the conference stack with them that they were neck and neck with until their quarterback got hurt and they lost that game. So... Like, it's not at all crazy to say that, like, if you give Rice even just one, lose one of Tulane, SMU, or UTSA for one of Temple, North Texas. Do you know how many points they would score on Temple? So Oh, many. my gosh. Dean Connors would run for 300 yards against the Temple defense. I'm just, I'm saying. This is not a Temple podcast. Sorry, other owls, if you're listening. But... Yeah, so I was just kind of that. That aside, they gave just, up, they gave up forty eight points to Tulsa. Yeah, not good, man. Like they they got Kurt Warner's kid at quarterback, and I, I they did play like a random like Thursday or Friday night or like back to back Thursdays or something. So I watched a little bit when he was in, and he's fun, man. He's a good quarterback, but that's it. Like Rice has a good roster plus a good quarterback most of the time when he's Tulsa. Healthy. Tulsa hasn't put up more than. 28 points against an FBS team this season, aside from that Temple game. Yeah. Yeah, if you give Rice one of those instead of one of the top three teams, they're uh, they're bowl eligible already. So, yay. This is wild. Yeah. Uh, but I before I completely caught us off guard, we were going to talk about the defense. I want to talk about the defense a little bit because, holy smokes, and we kind of gloss over it. What was the final? 2.8 yards per play? Is that yeah. what Charlotte ended up with? Which like three yards think, per pass. <laughs> if you're thinking like what's good yards per play, what do you say? Like five in the, if you're in the five to six territory, like you did a good job. Like, is that probably pretty fair? Yeah, like, yeah. If you, if you, if you give up less than six, that's like a, a normal defensive performance, like below five, like, you did, you did pretty good above six. You probably did kind of bad. But yeah, uh, and Rice averaged six yards per play in this game, 
And, and they yep. scored 28 points. They turned the ball over three times. It was not a banner day for the offense. It was a good rushing day by Dean Gunners. So they yep. were fine. And that kind of checks out. But 2.8 yards per play. Charlotte ran 56 plays and did not get to 200 yards. Just like, yeah, this was dominant. Like how many times did <laughs> the, Dean Connors fumbled on the, what, the 33 yard line or something like that? And yeah. Charlotte didn't score. Yeah. Just, it was, it was so impressive in, I, I'm not going to fully mea culpa and take back all of my thoughts about this not being a great defensive year, but I'm going to half it because like we talked about temper with the offenses, like watching Frank Harris just totally dissect USF and everybody else he's played. And Frank Harris was meh. Like he was good. I'm not hating on Frank Harris. Frank Harris is an awesome football player, but he was just like, okay against Mm -hmm. a rice defense that was down several pieces. Well, and they played three quarters of this game without probably their most impactful defensive lineman this year in Coleman Coco. Uh, I, I asked, I asked Bloomgren after the game, what, what do you think we should do with targeting? And he said, Matt, you're trying to get me in trouble. I said, no, no, I'm not. So I'll I'll talk. I'm going to talk to him this week. Maybe we'll get some thoughts, but yeah, I was like, this is not, I've just, Man, and we had the rant last week, so if you want a, a targeting rant, go back <laughs> episode. It's on the end of that yeah, one. Yeah, and we don't even need to, because I don't want to, because that one was probably targeting on Coco. Like, fine, whatever. There was another play, like, a short while there, at, or around the same time where, like, Hatchet wasn't fully in a slide yet, I guess, but he was, like, going to the ground, and yeah, a Charlotte player... Put a sh- put a shoulder directly into it, like was like launched himself. We we got the launch, and and drove his like shoulder into Padgett's helmet. And not only was there no penalty, but Rice got called for holding on that play. So I just don't even like what. I'm let, let's let's just not do this again because I'm just gonna get upset about it. Well, I'm just like I'm kind of over the officiating the the past couple games, and like man, I. I generally skew to it's never as bad as you think it is. Like sometimes it's bad, but it usually doesn't like, it's not the reason you lost the game. That's my general stance. But, but man, I think if you tack up the last four games and like the officiating, you give them a redo and I'm not even saying is better or worse, but I'm just saying, call the game again. This is like redo. Right. I think rice wins one of, I think they're two and two instead of one and three. Yeah. And man, the perception, how that changes. But yeah, like the defense. Sorry, that's what I was talking about. When the defense was on the field. Charlotte could do nothing. I thought the coverage was impeccable. And we didn't talk about this, but Treshawn Devones did not practice during the week to the point where I I wasn't sure if he was going to play. Bloomberg said he was cleared the day of and. Lamont Narcisse started the game at corner. He gets hurt probably midway through the first quarter, if my memory yep. serves. Yeah, and, it was early. Yeah, and Treshawn Devone goes into the game and he's playing hobbled and like not at 100%, and he just makes some plays. And this is a dude that was supposed to be the third corner who this offense plays to. So he was not supposed to play this year. And 
he I was kind of thinking in my mind of I'm going to have to start giving away like game balls and postseason superlatives. I'm going to have to start writing those out because the end of the season is coming. Yep. He might deserve one because, man, he came out of nowhere. And Rice is they it might just lose a game without him. Like and, and Sean yeah. Fresh, like Sean Fresh is I asked Bloomberg afterwards. I said, do you have two of the better tackling corners in the conference? And he just said, yes. That's it. No cop. And I was like, you know, I asked you a yes, no question, but I think you're right. Like they are. The corners have been. Might have they might be have been the best part of this defensive best unit on defense this year for Rice. And. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I stand by that. The line's been really good. The line was good on Saturday, but man, the corner play. And Sean Fresh gets his first career tackle or first career sack and then has to sprint back to the other side of the field to return the punt because it happened on third down. <laughs> I, I thought that entire sequence was pretty funny. Hey, I was talking yeah. to him afterwards and he was just like, yeah, I honestly, I didn't even realize that it was third down and then I had to go back there. I was like, oh, oh oops. Yeah. So many guys like Sean was great. Trey Sean was great. Gabe Taylor had a fantastic game. Um, we've said this name a lot now lately, but DJ Arkansas is. Oh. He looks like... Um, am I remembering correctly that a certain other uh, linebacker whose play we have long for, did he also wear number six? Oh, he changed. Did he start with six and then go to zero? Maybe I'm just remembering the like general shape of the letter here, of, or of sorry, of the number. Wow, I I I am a, a high school science teacher, um, <laughs> but he was number six. We're talking about Blaze Aldrich, yeah, for the record. And you know That's what? The thing what about the thing about and the the reason that you kind of I think you're making that comparison is the thing that's always stood out to me with with DJ is. His first step is so good. Yeah. And this clo- his closing speed is insane. And I actually, I asked a, a coach on staff a couple weeks ago. It was John, John K, the linebackers coach. And after DJ had had, because he's had, had now two late hits, personal foul on the sideline, that you, you were pretty costly. <laughs> Go t- back to officiating. Those were correct calls. Yeah. But I asked. I asked Coach K about it, and I said, what do you do with a guy like that? And he said, you know, honestly, DJ has played his entire life faster than everybody else on the field. So, honestly, the fact that he's getting to them at all is a testament to how quick he is. And it's also surprising because he hasn't quite yet adjusted to the fact that there are other players on the football field that might be as fast as he is. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed at that point. But, I'll tell you, not everybody is as fast as he is because he had that sack and he had so many plays where just his range. Yeah. And man, I think we talked before the season and I said DJ Arkansas was going to be a starter before the year was done. And you hate that Chris Conti got hurt and that's kind of how it came about. But man, he's so good. He's so, so good. All of it. Like, yeah, no, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it was fun to watch. Uh, 
like you said, the, the, it's been an up, up, an up and down season, I guess at best defensively. But they've the ups have been there. And I will say, can I reiterate that this was my favorite? Well, not my favorite. I don't know. It was one of my favoriteest favoriteest. And now I'm making it words. It was a special teams day that I particularly enjoyed because Rice's best version of special teams is when they just don't need them. And that's my favorite. So they kicked two short field goals when the offense, and that was a, a bugaboo with the offense, is they hey. got down there and had yeah. opportunities. And I counted in when they kind of stalled out at the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second, there were 11 consecutive plays where Dean Connors did not touch the football. And he'd already had several explosive runs at that point. And I'm like, and some of those were designed plays to get the ball to Luke. And I'm okay with that because Luke McCaffrey, really good at football. But man, I was just like, if you've seen what Dean is doing, how can you go 11 plays in a row without not handing him the football or throwing him the football? Dean didn't have a catch in this game. I thought that was odd. Yeah. Kind of how it worked out, but. It's actually, wildly enough, it was the first, it was the first game this year where he'd had more than 10 carries. Like his previous season high had been nine at Tulsa. And his he'd had because he was usually catching the ball a decent amount like he'd had several games where he'd had 14 or 15 touches total so this wasn't like wildly more than he'd had just in terms of of like touches and production in terms of just getting the ball rushing and receiving but yeah it's it's it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he hasn't had more of a featured role like he needs to hit 20 carry like give me 20 to 25 total touches against FAU like there's really no excuse for it to be otherwise yeah and we've been saying all year like who's going to be number two behind Luke the the answer is Dean Connors like the answer is you have some like I really landed ransom had some good catches in this game we've seen him kind of flash at times we've seen Ross and McNeil flash at times but neither of those guys have just said I can put the team on my back and go and Dean has now done that in multiple games and it's not just one big play it's lots of big plays so those are your two horses ride them I at one quick Luke McCaffrey nugget he in the fourth quarter which uh, so first off at uh, Aside, did you like the call to go for two when you're up 19 to nothing? Um, yeah, uh, like, yeah, sure. I, I I always like getting to that number, and I think in general, like, even if you're in a situation where there's not a if there's not a strong sort of numerical incentive to go for to kick the extra point. I think there is value in having the aggressive mindset, even if like, I don't know what the, the the chart says in that situation, whether it's beneficial to go for two there to get to a 21 point lead. But like, I think it's good to send the message to your team. Though that was exactly where I was at. I'm like, what are the odds that the result of this plays impacts the game at all? I'm like, it's possible. It's possible that one point either way or two makes a difference, but you're up 19 to zero. They don't have a pulse on offense. Like it's probably not going to matter. And if you're going to go out swing, like, so I was all for it. I'm like, we have, yeah. we've talked about Bloomgren's evolution and, uh, and continue towards aggressive play calling. 
And I was I just wanted to give kudos there because I like that call. But Luke McCaffrey, again, it's fourth down. And not only does Bloomgren decide not to send out the field goal unit, which would have made it 24 to seven if you make that field goal. But again, my favorite version of Rice's special teams is not special teams. And they keep the offense on the field. So I was cool with that call again. But they they throw to Luke in the back, the corner of the end zone. And two plays before, the way that Bloomgren said, uh, Luke hit his finger on a helmet and his finger was sticking away that it's not supposed to go. Yeah. And so yeah, that's on the sideline. Gets his finger popped back into place and they just tape it together with the, you know, the pinky finger. I guess it was a, what is that, ring finger? put them two together and say, okay, get back out there. Misses those two plays, goes up and makes that catch with a bum finger. I just, I, I get, yeah, he's a beast. He's so like, I don't know if we fully realized like how, cause we talk about the, you know, 18 and JT Daniels, a quarterback. And we've already said that he's a top is conservatively two quarterback in the history of this program. Like, yeah, you, if he had more game time, then you could say for sure the best ever. And he still might be there. But man, Luke, there is there's a good list of like very good wide receivers that have played at Rice University. And Luke McCaffrey is continuing to make his case to be listed among them, which is like not many former college quarterbacks. <laughs> can do that. Yeah, He's no, the, so the, the dominance for him has just become sort of routine at this point. Like, it's just, it's so impressive. Yeah, you make the, you make it, you go up 28 to seven at that point, you put him away, game over. Yeah, it was textbook offense good. Offense good. Yeah, not great. Good. Dean Connors great. Defense great. Special teams solid. I was happy all around. This is what you're supposed to do, a bad football bad football team, and with a losing turnover margin for basically the entire of the game, you're minus three until the end on a, a random play that is irrelevant to the final score. So, man, clean it up. You play FAU this coming weekend, senior day. I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but if Bloomgren and Rice win this game, Bloomgren will be only the third coach in the history of Rice University to go to back-to-back bowl games. Yeah. That's wild. And for as tough as the schedule was this year and at at times when they've they've had they they you know they lose JT down the stretch for a pivotal section of that like it's it would be a pretty impressive Pretty impressive through here. And, you know, the Florida Atlantic uh, lost to Tulane last weekend is now out of the running for a bowl, I think. Uh, yes. I don't. I assume they, they are not they high enough on the APR. Play. I assume they are not high enough on the APR list to make five and seven bowl a real possibility. So, um, yeah, hopefully you're, I think, um, FPI and the books and SB plus all have rice is like a three to five point favorite here. So, um, quarterback oh, agnostic. Yeah. Uh, and fingers crossed that it's, uh, we're, we're, we're back to QB one out there for this one, but, uh, this is a game they can win. And then everything we wanted at the beginning of the season is right there in front of them. So 
That's good, man. After last week, we were down. We're back up. Put, put the word yep. out. We're back up. Yep. <laughs> this is not a visual medium, but go Google that if you uh, don't understand the, the youngins reference. I'm not not that I'm a youngin anymore. I guess we've passed that, but sometimes I occasionally get get sent memes. That's mm. what the kids are calling them. Yeah, the um, I, I officially passed youngin status uh, earlier this year when um, one of my uh, students said something about 2008 being the year that they were born, and I my body oh. was, I just wanted to crumble into dust at that point. Oh, so, <laughs> I'm not yeah. mentally prepared for that. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think we we get to count ourselves as youngins anymore at that. But yeah, uh, we got we got one more game left in the regular season, and uh, it'll it's a it's a big one for Rice. So we'll be we'll be back to wrap that up and and talk things through next week. Uh, hope you all have a great Thanksgiving, and hope we're all celebrating come Saturday afternoon. But we'll we'll see y'all next week and Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.